it on. Wisdom shared by the housewives and the occasional house husband of Scotland in the pages of the Sunday Post in the 1950s. Whatever will they make of it today? Hello and welcome back to Pass It On. Um, now, the last time me, Steve and Chris were together, we promised you some sewing tips. Um, now, we are going to get to that probably eventually. Um, however, we do need to take a moment just to catch up. There's so much going on in the world just now. Um, and we thought we would just take a few moments to reflect. We did think that. We did. Um, it's worth saying as well that for the first time, we're all in our yes. respective Sorry. hovels. <laughs> Speak for yourselves. <laughs> um, Steve's, in, Steve's in his study. Steve's in his I study. Am we, in my study. <laughs> is it wood panelled, Steve? Is there, is there oak panelling all around? It is not. It has. I will describe it to you. It has uh, bookshelves all the way around because I have nice. an awful, awful lot of books, and I have so many books that all the bookshelves are double thickness with books. So I've not seen some of my books for many years. They're behind another set of books. It's books all the way down. So, so Steve's in his study in Carnisty, yes. and he's on a he's on a micro. He's just on his laptop microphone. So, uh, apologies for the slightly ropey audio quality. Uh, I make no apology for the content of what Steve says. <laughs> Connie, where are you? Um, I'm sitting at my breakfast bar. Ooh, that breakfast bar. You, you called me posh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Did what you tell the staff to see off the people? <laughs> no, it's just like a sticky out bit, isn't it? It's just a sticky out bit. Um, with a, a glass of wine several glasses of wine actually because oh working oh from home is fun <laughs> well when you say fun it's, well, it certainly, is an it odd sounds one. like it's fun the way that connie makes it fun yeah, yeah well. just where are you sitting chris I, i'm in my little home office as well um, oh which, home office i see which, what you did there <laughs> which uh i've had to sort of rejig a little bit and honestly we moved into this house four years ago and i'm still looking at four large moving boxes <laughs> in the corner <laughs> and it's generally chaos in here um but if you were if we don't have video we can't see each other as we record this but if you could you'd see behind me uh, an ikea calax bookshelf stuffed full of um, my hunting trophies which um because i'm a geek are old macs and old technology arrayed behind me so if i do video calls that's my backdrop i was about to say you don't strike me as the actual sort of stag head you know boar head kind of guy no although there, there are some i did my wife bought some uh deer antlers which are behind yeah. me as well i don't i could forgive that right so chris's, chris's idea of hunting is buying some old marks well it's it's you know it's um, ebay man it takes some, some yeah you know it's hunting down hunt, yeah and you've got to beat the bots on ebay yeah <laughs> I sense Steve is not too impressed. No, but how, also, so, 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 no, no, so we no. we haven't actually talked for ages, us three. No, no, we're not, no. Um, obviously, we're recording this. Um, let's raise the curtain on the process. We're recording this at. It's currently twenty past ten in the evening on Tuesday, the twenty fourth of March. Steve's in um, a guinea. Steve's in his guinea really with a cup of Ovaltine uh, to hand. <laughs> um, but, That's not but, true. So, so, but um i know he doesn't have a wee willy it's fine connie but we've um all been now sent home in accordance with the government guidelines but i've been at home for almost three weeks now anyway because my daughter wasn't well um so how has it been basically so so steve first of all your your job is kind of like mine it's a desk job at a computer um generating stuff 
words and books and stuff. So your job is reasonably easy to transport, right? It has been, although I made the mistake of not bringing home my desktop computer and working from a laptop I am not enjoying at all. I've uh, I've long given up the, the notion of attempting to do anything with this mouse pad thing. <laughs> who, who invented them? What, what use is that? Mouse pad thing. But I'm not liking it. But the, yesterday was odd. Yesterday was my first day working from home and I found that very strange. Yesterday? To talk to... Actually, no, Friday, Friday now you mention it. I didn't do an awful lot on Friday. I just set up the tech, which <laughs> consisted of opening my laptop and switching it on. I found working from home, as I'm sure everybody has, I found it really quite odd. Um, I have my wife, daughter, and my daughter's boyfriend who live with us, and we're all in the house. And it's odd. I'm, I, I really did not like it at first. Today wasn't so bad. I felt uh, I'd got used to it a bit more. You do get a lot of work done, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get uh, no interruptions and and work, work, work. I've got on really well. So your job, Steve, is the sort of thing that you can easily just lift up and then it's uh, yeah. uh, different. But but Connie, because you work in the call centre at DC Thompson yeah. Media, um, and that's a job that's, you know, it's a call centre. It's, it's not a call distributed. Exactly. And you're supposed to all be in one space and chatting to each other and sorting out customer problems for folk buying stuff from DC Thompson Media. Yeah, and that department right. wasn't at all set up for remote working. So what's that process been like for you? Um, so I was sent home a week ago today um, because my I have a kidney condition which puts me at high risk. So I was sent home rather briskly. Um, in terms of when it all kind of kicked off here. Um, so I was just sent home with my laptop um, and sort of said, I'll wait for the instructions at the moment kind of thing. Um, I know that the t- my team and the IT team have been working really hard. And as of yesterday, um, everyone from my team was, so you're talking probably 25 other people were sent home with their entire PCs. So their mon- their two monitor screens and their actual what do you call it hard drive no what's it called the, 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 the computer yeah. so they were sent everybody was sent home with that yesterday and it have been working super hard to enable us to take calls because what's happening now is we're experiencing the highest volume of calls that we've ever experienced i believe don't quote me on that but i'm pretty sure that's what was said because people are panicking they're not going to be able to get their subscriptions from their shop uh, their magazine, sorry, from their shop. So they're setting up subscriptions, they're purchasing gifts. Um, just We're just experiencing a massive um, volume of calls. Obviously, we deal with funeral directors as well. We write death notices and whatnot. There's lots of amendments having to be made to funerals and other arrangements, weddings. Weddings, engage, yeah, weddings, you know, weddings ev- are off now. Yeah, everything's sort of up in the air. So um, we, uh, the, the contact centre have had a really hard time because we're just... We've never had to do this before, obviously. Um, so I actually have to go back into work tomorrow and pick up my PC because I still just have my laptop at the moment. So I need to go and pick up my other screens so I can fully work from home. It's worth saying, isn't it, though, as well, that um, even for you, for you for in a job that you know is not designed to be done from home, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit of tech and a little bit of willpower and know-how, it, it can be done, yeah. albeit a bit kind of, you know, 
bumpily and, and lumpily to, to begin yeah. with. But of course, there's loads and loads of jobs out there that, that can't be done from home. So we're actually in an incredibly fortunate position to be, to be able to yeah. do this at all. Exactly. That's very true. Yeah. Obviously, Connie's call centre, which uh, I used to sit really quite close to that and um, have visited many times, I enjoy the buzz and the, the, the hubbub of you guys on the phone talking to people, uh, fielding complaints, selling stuff, setting stuff up. I think you must find that a really huge change. Um, oh, massively. Compared um, to what it was. Yeah, because I always describe like the call centre to people as being like like working in the stock markets or something. It's people are yeah. sitting, they're standing up, they're throwing things about, they're shouting, they're not <laughs> shouting, but you know, like it is, it is, especially at times like this, it is a really hectic environment. Um, yeah. And there's so many of us as well that it, you know, all just goes on at once. Um, but it has been really strange for me going from speaking and seeing however many people a day to now, because I live on my own, I've now been at home on my own for a week. Mm. And it's the weirdest thing. And probably, I don't know, I don't want to speak too soon, but it's quite draining, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it can it can because it, it's a very very different thing, and I think yeah. um, when everybody started working from home, a lot of people who have worked from home for a long time were in the best possible um, spirit, sharing yeah. tips for working from home. And in mm. fact, you probably hear, listening to this have heard the episode that I recorded with Glenn Fleischman. Uh, and especially episode we put out at the end of last week where he does exactly that in his book, Take Control of Working from Home Temporarily. But but a, a lot of people were at pains to say, even for those of us who have been working from home for years and years and years, it's it's different now. It's weird. It's really, really weird. And don't feel bad if you are anxious or if you're finding it unsettling or weird as you adapt to this new working uh, practice. Because even for those of us who are familiar with it, it's still just... Uh, it's a very different situation. It is. I would count myself as a fairly robust, resilient type of person, but I have found this quite discombobulating. I, I found it. Uh, That's a good word. <laughs> it's a bit of a makey up word. Um, I have found. I used when we were at work and the beginnings of this uh, virus were striking. You were able kind of to joke with your your fellows and say, oh, did you sing happy birthday all the way through and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. now the world seems uh, a more dangerous place because you're not joking and mucking in together. And I, I, I feel, I would, wouldn't go as far as saying anxious, but, but I'm not that sort of bloke. I, but I do feel a bit... Uh, uh, is, is slightly unsettling. Um, but on the other hand, this is an experience. I mean, the Chinese have a proverb, um, may you live in interesting times, and these are interesting times. Mm. Things going on, I never thought I would see it. I actually, I'm get, I don't normally get scared by these kind of things, but I am actually now like... Well, there's oh never God, been anything like this. You, no. you, you, can't, you, you can't say you don't normally get scared by these kind of things because there's been... Oh, but- like that's not just in your lifetime like when but, bird but, flu and all that now i know it wasn't as serious but obviously it was a thing like my friend had bird flu and she was unwell for a long time but that didn't really phase me so it, you know and i know it's different because obviously this is on a much bigger and a much more dangerous scale but mm. it's actually crazy to think that so much is closed and we can't go anywhere and i can't see it like I, you know i can't see anyone that is me three weeks plus 
on my Todd. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like yeah. and so so much is going to change. I mean, yeah. working practices will change for one thing. I mean, we've had this massive change as suddenly those of us who can work from home, even with some disruption, are now being encouraged to, or mandated to now. But mm-hmm. but um, so that will change. A lot of companies were quite resistant to that for a long time, but now they're yeah. being forced to so accommodate somehow. But the other thing that's going to change massively, and I'm really sort of excited about this, and and uh, long term excited to see what happens is. You know, there's been a lot of talk, especially in the context of Brexit, um, about low-skilled workers and about, you know, points-based systems and that sort of stuff. But what this process has revealed, and if I was a, a cleaner or a carer or a, a cook or somebody who takes the bins out, I'd be feeling pretty vindicated right now because all of a sudden you're the only types of person who is being allowed to go out to do your job because it turns mm-hmm. out <laughs> actually, at the end of the day the people who are important are the people doing the jobs that actually keep the nation running and we're going to that's going to reverberate for generations because we're going to get people suddenly we're going to get the strengthening of unions we're going to get people um, organizing about this because people who've been ground under the um pressures of the society we live in for a long time are going to find their voice i think mm-hmm. well, that's very true that's actually a, a very very good thing i hadn't thought of that chris it's a really good thing yeah yeah more power it's, to the level yeah yeah it's just weird. it's just bizarre like i keep every morning i wake up and think is this real is like mm. it it really does feel like a film like i don't have my pub job anymore you know, I literally am not going to see my family first, my friends first. So, like, I just don't, I just, every day it just blows my mind that I don't even have the words about how nervous I actually am for the next, I'm really nervous for the next few weeks. Yeah, no, and, and Connie, you're going to be actually staying in for a lot longer, aren't you? If you've got um, an underlying health condition, you might well be instructed or at least strongly suggested that you stay in for uh, a few months. Yeah, so they're saying 12 weeks for chronic illnesses now. Um, to be honest, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, not careless, I don't know what the word is, I'm a bit sort of you know flaky about it because I don't really consider it as being a big deal to me but it obviously is a big deal because basically this causes it can cause pneumonia pneumonia affects your organs shuts them Mm -hmm. down these are already half shut down so any effects to that are gonna be a problem you need to take that seriously yeah for sure you do, yeah. Yeah, it's just like a, it's just the thing I've never obviously come no nobody's come across before and yeah, so hopefully I mean I'd really I actually think I will go stir crazy and I'll be lucky to make it through twelve weeks in the house on my own. I tell you what, the the the, the pubs when this is over are gonna oh. be rammed. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna hug every person I, I see know. on the streets. <laughs> they're saying the pub could be closed for up to twelve months. Now that's wow. Yeah, really? that, apparently, I don't. And then what? You also have then the knock-on effect that there's a lot of pubs that won't open again. A lot yeah. of pubs that will not open again. I think there'll be a lot of shops that don't open again as well. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. just, it's just like it literally is. There's no other words to describe it than mental. My mother and father-in-law lived in Aberdeen in, in 1964 at the time of the typhoid outbreak. And uh, they cut off Aberdeen altogether. All roads out were were blocked. There was uh, checkpoints on them all. But they say that this is much scarier than that, although mm. that's possibly more dangerous. But the difference is that every time you switch on the TV, every time you 
talk to anybody. This is the one and only subject. Whereas the only place you got information on that typhoid outbreak was if you cared to pick up the paper, the Press and Journal in the morning, and they said it was uh, it was more dangerous, and it definitely was because typhoid was a a real killer of a disease back back then. Still is, I imagine. But uh, of this course, feels the, the, the challenge there is it's not that um, coronavirus is is more or less uh, fatal. I actually don't know the stats. I think it is less fatal than, than typhoid, but the point is, so. is, is its virality is so much higher. There was yes. a terrific uh, interview on Channel Four with a professor of um, Oh, some kind of health professor. I'm so sorry, I can't remember his job title. But talking about the fact that with if you have the flu, you might infect 1.3, 1.4 people mm-hmm. that you meet, which means that you know if, if over 10 infection cycles, you might be sort of responsible in inverted commas for for sorry for 40 uh, infections of flu. But for coronavirus, it's a factor of three. So for every person for every person may infect up to three people. Now, that difference between 1.3 and 3 doesn't sound very much. Have you seen this stat, Connie? I have. I've seen it. So, 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 so let me ask Connie, what do you think that number would be? So for flu, it's 1.3 infections per person mm-hmm. resulting in 40 infections within 10 cycles. Okay. Coronavirus, uh, three infections per person within 10 cycles. What do you think that number is? Three thousand. Can you remember? Steve, was it forty nine or fifty nine thousand? It was something, something like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's oh. so so virulent. So that's why we just like just stop it. Stay at home. Oh stop spreading the disease because otherwise the NHS just can't can't cope with it. Yeah. Um. It's oh yeah. I just every like I, I, everything just makes me stress about it. And that's fair, and you should you should lean into that. You should accept yeah. that because that mm-hmm. that is the only rational reaction to this is to be worried about it and upset about it. Like nobody wants to stay in their house for three weeks. Obviously, yeah. that goes without saying. Nobody wants to just be able to go for a walk by themselves for an hour or go to shops once a week. But no one wants that. But I feel like people that aren't listening, like get mm. your finger out, kind of yeah. head out, whatever you want to use here, and. Because it isn't going to get any better otherwise. And you just kind of want to smack their heads against the wall and say, right, come on. There is a sort of inbuilt Scottish um, uh, lazy and uh, I'll be fine sort of attitude that you have to get over. And um, one of my best friends, he was telling me that his mother is totally self-isolating apart from visiting the neighbours, people that are in her church her family, her <laughs> but apart from that, she's totally observed. Totally cut off, yeah. Totally cut off, yeah. Well, like one of my friends, so she's a single mum, well, two of my friends actually are single mums, and one of them has the option to, whether she stays at home with her three-year-old son or mm. whether she goes back and lives with her parents with her three-year-old son. Um you know, as of sort of yesterday, she was kind of in a quandary, like, what am I going to do? You know, three weeks in the house with a three-year-old by myself might be quite tough, but equally going back to my parents when I live, I've lived on my own for so long is also tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I at the moment don't have the option to move back to my mum because she's in another house and blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's a sort of weird situation of... I never thought I would be in this situation where I'm not going to speak to anybody face to face for three plus weeks. Yeah. And it might be much longer. Yeah, especially. Yeah, it probably yeah. Will be. My children are 
25 and 22. And I, although I'm not making a big deal of it, I would like my son and his girlfriend to move back in with us. And it's a sort of, because I want to protect you type of... Uh, it's a reality, dad thing. Which is, it's a dad thing, yeah. I mean, it's totally ridiculous. But can I make an, another uh, confession to you guys? Mm-hmm. Of course, nobody else will hear. It's just us. <laughs> good, good. I've been stockpiling food since 2000. Oh. Since 2000, did you say? 2007. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you exactly why. It's because I read Cormac McCarthy's book, The Road, which scared me so much that I thought, you know what, I'm going to salt away a tin of beans every time I go to the shops. I'm going to salt away stuff. And my, I have been laughed at by many, many people for doing this. And quite rightly <laughs> so. I have more spam than spar. <laughs> more spam than Gmail. But all sorts of stuff. And it's all out of date and it's all... Fisty. Probably putrid and useless, but I have boxes full of this stuff in the loft. And I've been... In the loft? Oh, you don't people. even keep it in the kitchen? That's weird. That's no. too far, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched there's actually sorry this is a tiny 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 bit off topic there is a guy on youtube who you can go and watch i think we've maybe mentioned him before i don't know there's a guy that you can go and watch on youtube who f- buys old tins of food and like weird things from like world war times and tries to eat them Mm-hmm. so he'll wow. have like a tin of sardines from like 1920 or something and he'll open it up and potentially cook or eat raw depend like be if it was beans he will try and cook them connie this is fascinating but i need to get back to steve steve tell okay. me about the size of your hoard like, like connie um, your thing is is good but like it's weird need more detail on things four large boxes um when i say large probably 60 centimetres square uh, as a base and that high. They're moving boxes. They were uh, Uh left over from when we moved and they are now so heavy that they cannot be lifted. And I have got stuff. Is that what you've got in your moving boxes too, Chris? No, mine's just mostly just there's a a third full of old crumpled paper and (laughs) an old book. Uh, (laughs) Can I add to that? That nobody else in the family will touch the stuff that's been out there for <laughs> like 11 years I, out of date. I, I was going to ask if they'd be allowed at having yeah. um, uh, poo-pooed the idea so consistently. <laughs> yes. but it turns out you're, not, laugh, so you're not getting any. I'm, uh, my wife is actually throwing some of it out. So you are the original stockpiler, Steve? I'm, no, I'm a survivalist. Oh God! Hmm. Have, you, have you read Cormac McCarthy's The Road? No, and I don't intend don't, because you're frightening yourself. <laughs> um, I am not a stockpiler in any shape or form. Like I'm actually really sensible. So I went to the shops with my friend when this first all came about, and there was only only a nine pack toilet roll. Now, sorry, two. There was two. So we thought, okay, there's only we live apart. You know, we live on our own. I own. I don't need nine, and she doesn't need nine. So instead of buying a pack of nine each, we split them. And I was I was like, oh, I'm a proper good citizen for doing that, right? Yeah. Like, you know, because really, I mean, we didn't split them. She got five and I got four, but, you know, we'll live with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it was better than buying the last two nines and leaving nine for somebody else. That's very I'm good, Connie. I'm proud of you. Thanks. I, I, I was on my model on Yeah, I was on my model high ground. But to be fair, when I've been to the shops, I went yesterday 
and a week ago before that like so what day is it monday and monday yeah um so i've been once a week anyway and the shops are actually not that bad yeah so, i mean the, the, the point is that you know the supply chains aren't are fine um as long as people are are responsible and we're not joking about steve but he hasn't been stockpiling in the sense of you know going to <laughs> tesco's and just filling shopping trolleys it's been sort of, no, I've purposely not stockpiled. I, I would be embarrassed to do so. That would I, as well. You should look at you and think. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you were saying, Connie, about sort of suddenly feeling, or not suddenly, but but gen- genuinely and generally feeling anxious about the situation. I remember my wife went to the shops, and I forget when it was. All the days are blurring, but it was about a week and a half ago um, when the news really started to bite, and she came back a little bit shaken because. Mm-hmm. It was obviously, you know, the the attitude of the other punters in the shops and the staff and the that was, you know, when the shelves were emptying because people were sort of stockpiling. Yeah. And she came back and she was genuinely a bit shaken up by it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I understand why. I haven't been out to the shops myself for a couple of weeks just because our daughter's been unwell and, and I, I, I'm fortunate enough that Jenny's able to do it. So, yeah. but but it, it's, it can be really unsettling for folk and especially for vulnerable folk. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of opening shops early for vulnerable people—chess worker—that's a great shout. Yeah, that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, like I'm almost glad that there is nobody really immediately close to me that's vulnerable as such, because I would just be so worried. You know, I don't really have anybody classes vulnerable. Um, well, I do, but they have in my family but they have sort of closer significant others if you know what I mean that will be able to do these things for them but I'm kind of glad in a selfish way more than anything that there's nobody that I need to look after because yeah. I actually don't know how I would cope in a, in a sense and I, I mean that completely selfishly if that's a word right guys before we before we leave this subject mm-hmm. You tell me something that you've enjoyed or has been good or heartening or nice that's happened in the past couple of weeks since this started. As in what we've enjoyed about being at home or I'll as tell in you, I'll tell you mine, right? Um I have got so much more time to read and I am thoroughly enjoying that. I've actually started on some uh, pretty heavy duty. I'm going to make another attempt to get through William Faulkner's The Sound and the Fury because I've never managed to read it all. But there's time to read, and that's a good thing. I don't even know what that book is, but okay. <laughs> um, well, I personally have enjoyed not having to brush my hair, get dressed, or brush my teeth before <laughs> like any sort of time. Or I don't even know if I've brushed my teeth today. To be completely oh, honest, <laughs> well, I'm not, going, I'm not going anywhere. I am. I am dressed. That's not why you brush your teeth, woman. No, but I just can't be arsed. Um, I, I haven't. I am dressed. No, I must have brushed them actually because I have been out. I've been well. I, I say I, I've been to walk the dog, um, and I would have brushed them just in case. Um, for the dog, if nobody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do enjoy sitting in my pajamas all day, and I know you're not supposed to do that, but I enjoy rolling out of my bed at ten to nine and bugging about until my time to start at nine o'clock. Boom, that's me till five. I don't move. Even my lunch break, I just put the laptop on the floor. I don't move. <laughs> A very short commute. Exactly. Which is different, to be fair. I normally have like an hour, two hour drive, like, well, two hour drive every day. So I'm letting myself off. 
I don't want to disappoint you, Steve. I haven't enjoyed much um, about the last little while. It's been uh, quite a stressful time. So um, people listening might not realise my job is podcasts at DC Thompson. So all my teams, and we publish eight different podcasts across the company, all my teams are now uh, thrown to the four winds. So trying to work out ways to bring them together and kit them up and um, work out our new workflows for that has been uh, quite stressful. And as uh, my wife and I both try to work from home, um with our four-year-old and we try and work out how we can split our days up so that we can um look after her and that's the reason why we're recording this at as it now stands 10 to 11 at night and it's the only time really that i could find in the day and thank you both very much for indulging me it's only time mm-hmm. the day to, to record this um the, but there has been one nice thing out of even that stress and um unpleasantness which is i'm genuinely uh humbled and uh, amazed at my colleagues at dc thompson media and in other companies as well in the media just for just keeping going you know i've I've seen so many photographs on social media of like chris ferguson the courier sitting on a rickety oh i shouldn't say rickety chris you're a beautiful table but sitting (laughs) on a table in his conservatory with you know page planning software open uh the 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 the, the acrobatics people are doing to get Mm -hmm information out to keep our community cohered is really impressive and that's same from the, my teams that I work with in podcasting as well you know we're continuing to publish even though sometimes the audio quality will be a wee bit ropier and continuing to, to you know be, be there for folk and be a, a friendly voice um in their ears and, and that, that mm-hmm. makes me quite proud that's a good thing then yeah yeah Connie what what has else has happened in, since you and I were oh. and Steve were all together so Chris and I had a nice little trip to London. Oh yeah! Uh, how could you I didn't it? get to go though. No, you were too busy <laughs> writing books. Um, yeah. So actually, Chris, I feel like this is your time to shine because you know. Well, we, we, so, so so Connie and I were down for the Publisher Podcast Awards, the inaugural uh, ceremony in in London, where Pass It On was shortlisted alongside one of our uh, football podcasts as well. Unfortunately, this year neither of them um, got the nod, but we lost out to you know the best in the business. We yeah, lost like out to the Guardian, the Guardian and yeah, exactly. I know, I know. Um, so it was it was a a tough roster people were up with but i did there was an extra little award in the night um which they very kindly gave to me which was lovely it's more than that very surreal completely downplaying that what did we win or what did chris oh, win? We, didn't, we didn't win anything steve because we're rubbish mm. no to be fair i was actually like sitting there me and chris chris and i in the front row like little you know cheerleaders um <laughs> we were in the same category as some of the you know publishers and things that you go through life hearing about and i was like i cannot believe i'm sitting in the same room as some of these people like random house publishing ping is that penguin the same yeah. penguin random house yeah yeah um the guardian the telegraph i can't even really remember and i would need to go and look comedy sentinel loads of like these just crazy big companies publishers etc and I was just amazed to think, oh, you're actually kind of in this league, you know? Um, yeah. And then um, at the end, they had, remind me what your award is, Chris. I feel like it's the, Podcast Hero Award. Yep, the Publisher yeah. Podcast Hero of the Year. That's it, yep. So they were saying that this was an 
un, you know, they hadn't advertised this um, award as such. And they were speaking and saying who it was going to be. And I was sitting there like, well, this has to be Chris. Like, it has to be. I, um, I was at that point composing a tweet um, uh, commiserating <laughs> with my team <laughs> for not having won anything. Wasn't I wasn't paying attention, attention to what was happening on, on stage. And I, I, I feel like I kind of probably, did I elbow you at one point to I say, like, <laughs> this, is, this has to be you? So up you up you went and I was just so I was so buzzing for you. I, I felt yeah, it was it was a really like I don't know, proud moment for me. Uh, that's very Guys, it's a wonderful thing. I don't think she's underplay this at all. This has been oh, a fantastic thing. Well so, done, Chris. It is the Victoria Cross yeah. of podcasting. That's what <laughs> yeah, it to- no, but it totally is because that is showing you overall. A fantastic thing. Yeah. Thank so you round very then, much. Then they carried you shoulder high from the stage, <laughs> stewing petals. No, but what we did do is had one last drink, and I went and got dragged Chris into McDonald's in my inebriated. In your finery. In my, you yeah, just, I had a on that entirely. <laughs> I was well, expecting I, Elton John's after party or something like that, but no. I was I was a very poor award winner because I had to be up at six the next morning to drive to Colchester to work with another of my teams on another podcast. So I, and I, I, had, I had a small whiskey and then went to bed. <laughs> and I had a six-hour train journey to endure, which may I add was spent next to a very a very large man on my shoulder side and a very tall man on my opposite across the way side, whatever that's called, <laughs> adjacent. <laughs> You have two shoulders. So. <laughs> no, so beside me was a very large man, and adjacent to me was a very tall man. And I've beside never and adjacent mean the same thing, Connie. Okay, whatever. You were sitting across from one of them, weren't you? I was the angle in the right angle, shall we say? And okay. um, it was awful. I was so squished, and I never moved for those whole six hours. Didn't take my jacket off. Didn't go to the toilet. When we finally arrived at Dundee, I thought I was going to implode. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. So, so just like the Oscars then, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. we take a break? I don't, I don't know if there's any. Yeah, questions. let's take a break. Okay. And okay. then we'll come back and we'll do a few tips before we um, call time on this <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> I think you're overplaying that. There are a thousand topics of conversation in these Pass It On books that we base this podcast on, you know, and we sell them. Just go to dcthompsonshop.co.uk and at checkout, enter the code DARNING to get 20% off. Here's your bonus ad break tip. In winter, stitch small powder puffs into baby's bonnet to give extra protection to the ears from cold winds. Okay, welcome back, folks. We're uh, we're we're back in the room, except we are not actually in the same room. So to get over the point of, you know, when I press the button and it goes do 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 do, which is almost an exact replica of what it does. I'm going to have to say to Chris, press the button. So get ready now, Chris. Are you poised? I, I, my finger is poised. <laughs> button. I think you were a bit slow, but I'll let you off. Okay. They're about sewing, remember. So, finger protection. One or two coats of nail varnish painted on the first finger of the left hand protects the finger when sewing. Mrs M Brown, 167 Station Road, Loch Gailey. She must paint 
the nail varnish on the ball of her finger. Is that right? Mm-hmm. On her fingertip. Tip. Yeah, on the pen. On her fingertip. As a, well, like if you look at your, oh, it's really hard. On the, on the pad of your, on the yeah. pad of your finger, like where you'd give a fingerprint from Steve. To yes. Criminal yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember that one next time I'm stealing a diamond somewhere. I think that's a really good tip, though, because because that will give you a little bit of protection from a sharp um, darning needle, but it will. But it will give you, it will still retain the sort of sensation and the and the um, dexterity that you would need, th- so that a, a darning um, uh, thimble wouldn't give you. No, How long would that stay on for, though? Oh, like a good. Well, you could probably pick it off because it's not applied to a hard surface. So you could, you know, like when you put PVA on your hands and you can peel it off like skin. Oh yeah, Marvin Medium Blue. It would kind of, I imagine be like that probably not straight away but it would come off similarly even if not you could just take some nail varnish remover to it uh, or lemon juice or vinegar or rotten milk or something but hit my button again buttonhole reinforcement string makes an ideal buttonhole reinforcement simply place the string around the buttonhole and stitch it on in the usual way J. Thompson, 404 Dumbarton Road, Dalmuir, Glasgow. So I'm imagining she gets a bit of string and then sews it around the buttonhole to strengthen it. And yeah. I think that's a great idea. I feel like if you look at one of your shirts or jackets or something, you will see that there is a reinforced, stronger thread around the hole. Yeah, a wee bit, but not a bit of string that's all the way around the oh, hole. Oh, but they're probably same string. It's probably not. It's probably just a stronger cotton polyester thread. Do you think maybe it was a case that the 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 sewing uh, was different in them days? Mm. Um, maybe not as strong, or maybe too strong. I'm not it's sure. It's not string like we're thinking of, like twine. It's so not. not string, say no. it was a donkey jacket or something, though. That would have. Yeah, probably, but I don't think it. It well, I'm not imagining. I'm imagining it to be like garden twine, like a ball of string. Are you not? No. Oh, well, not then. Right, Chris, button me once more. Skirts. When making a dirndl skirt, a quick method is to use rufflet tape for the band. Sew it onto the material and pull cord to size of waist required. Mrs. A. Wallace, 6 Clippington Street, Dundee. Now, the reason I've given you that one is I do not understand a word of that. <laughs> What's Dirndl? I, can I, before, you, before you explain, Connie, can I point out that I really think we could make money if we did a, a sort of ASMR version of yes, Steve to so say Dirndl and Rufflet <laughs> and that other... Skirt. What? Skirt. <laughs> Skirt. Okay. Um, okay, Sorry, what is go, 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 go. Right, so okay, this is gonna be quite hard to explain. So a dern a dernal skirt is if you could picture seven brides for seven brothers for me. I am picturing Okay. Bless my beautiful hide. Yes, Howard Keel, what a man. So if you could so in the scene when they're doing the barn dance with the yeah. brothers and the enemies, whatever they are called, and they have on all these gingham pennies. Yeah. yeah. If you could chop off the penny part 
and just have the skirt where it has a rather thick, probably two or three centimeter waistband and it goes relatively straight down, but it has pleats, hence the tape. Um, It has pleats from the waistband down. Right. So, okay. Until this moment, I thought that Durandal was a type of cloth. Is that not the case? It's a style. Um, No, I don't think it's a fabric. No, I think it's a, I think it's a, 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 yeah, style. Yeah, so it's a skirt gathered at the waist that sort of falls uh, yes, in yeah. in loose, not like ironed in pleats, but in loose kind of exactly. fabric folds. Yeah, it's sort of natural, natural pleats, yeah, exactly. It's a strange word. It's missing at least one vowel, I would say. It's a German word, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a British thing. Um, because actually you get those skirts now and they're just called A-line skirts. So I don't. So it's the name of a traditional feminine dress worn in Austria, the South Tyrol, and Bavaria, based on the traditional clothing of Alps peasants. So if Steve, if you were to go and Google now an A-line skirt and go on images, you would. Well, maybe not quite actually. Maybe if you put <clears throat> knee-length A-line skirt, you would get the idea of where we're at. Wait a minute, because I'm because I'm in my study, I have Wikipedia'd it. Oh. oh yeah. To be honest, it's a skirt. Yeah. And do you see? Yeah. <laughs> do you it's see my seven brides for seven brides brothers reference minus the pin? Yeah, kinda. There's a picture yeah. of a a woman wearing a dirndl, and she well, it's a skirt, frankly. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I say I'm I'm really looking forward to the moment that is fast approaching where Connie's going to have to try and do her outro on a, a <laughs> bottle of wine. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to see how that goes. Before we get there, Steve, do you have one more tip for us? Do you want one you'll, that I understand or one that I think is really good? One that you think is really good. Yeah. Okay. Hit my button then. Won't fray. Cut into an old candle with your scissors before cutting material that frays easily. The wax from the scissors binds the edges. A.M. Murray, 44 Shuna Street, Glasgow. Right, I completely missed every second of that. One more time from with feeling. Hang on. Won't fray. Cut into an old candle with your scissors before cutting material that frays easily. The wax from the scissors binds the edges. A.M. Murray, 44 Shuna Street, Rushall, Glasgow. Any clear second time round, Connie? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it is, but I just, I don't know. I just don't really see the point. I, I think that sounds brilliant. So the idea is you take a wax candle, you sort of like chew at it with your scissors mm-hmm. and then you cut a piece of material that would free. And the idea is that the the wax that's kind of smeared on the scissor blades would uh, be deposited onto the fabric to knit together the, f- the edges that would otherwise free. I think that's mm. really good. But I could almost guarantee if you went and tried to cut a satin or a chiffon, they would still free. Well, maybe. I think. Well, have you tried this? I applaud the effort, at least. Yeah, I like the, I like the idea. I just, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I just... You just don't think it would work? I th- well, it would definitely work with some fabrics, like like a standard sort of cotton number but put it this way steve connie's going to get bored out of her skull over the next three or four weeks uh i can pretty much guarantee at some point she will find herself eyeing up her dinner table candles and cutting up some skirt can i just point out it was in the sunday post and therefore must be true 
yeah, fair. Yeah, I don't think it's not true. I just think it's... Um, I don't think it would always work. That's my... I think it would work, but I don't think it would always work. Also, look how professional you guys are. You put your proper names in. Well, you only have one... So Connor's referring to the software you're using to record this. So I'm down as Christopher Finn, Steve down as Steve Finn, and, and Connie, much like Cher, is just down as Connie. There's I tell you what's really impressive about this. There's that band that goes about, goes along, and <laughs> when you're speaking and yeah. if you say the word in the proper way it looks exactly like the skeleton of a fish <laughs> Connie for God's sake wrap us up I, I have no I mean that's why look none of mine's look like skeletons of fish because I don't talk properly <laughs> you, need to, you need to start off quiet and then get louder and that makes it like the skeleton of a fish hold on that looks like a lobster tail, actually. Now, so so I'm I'm so sorry, everyone listening. And um, Steve can see a waveform of his voice. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's what I was trying to say—a waveform of my voice. It's not just that he's lost his mind, having worked from home for two days, <laughs> purposely it's, making it look like a fish skeleton. It's, it's, it's sitting there going, Ooh. "Come on, guys." <laughs> It does look like the skeleton of a fish. Come on. Oh, right, I'm done, honestly. It's so it's five past eleven. I you guys need your beauty sleep. Um okay. On that note, we are definitely leaving it here for today. Um join us again for more madness or possibly genius from the households in Scotland from the nineteen fifties and for more madness from us here in Scotland today. Take care, guys. We'll see you soon. Hello, Chris here, and I hope I can assume that if you've reached this part of the podcast, you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, and not that you've been the victim of some terrible vinegar-related incident at home and been unable to press the pause button on your podcast player. If you have, there's a few things that you might like to do. The first is to buy those books that the Pass It On series is based on, and just to reiterate what Steve said, if you use the discount code DARNING at checkout on dcthompsonshop.co.uk, you'll get a 20% discount on all the books. You can also leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And most important of all, and the thing that means the most to us, spread the word. Make sure other people discover the joy of the Pass It On books as well by recommending this podcast to them. Whatever you've done though, whether you do none of that or all of that, we've loved having you listening and thank you so much. We'll see you next time.